You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans, for Leicester City fans, joined tonight by Full House uh, of all the guys and also Elliot Butlin from uh, A View from Ellie to Leicester City and Leicester Tigers. Uh, podcast, what's the right word for you there? So it blogger. started off as a blog, um, yeah. blogging about all things Tigers and City. And then from there, it's offshoot into a separate Tigers podcast as well. So, uh, no, thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah. What's your Tigers podcast called? Is that Rolling Mall? That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. How's that going? It's good. I mean, we timed it pretty well uh, last year as, doing the, as our first season, just as Tigers um, had a good season themselves, obviously ended up being league champions. So, to be fair, it makes our life a lot easier talking about games where we win. Whereas yeah. we'd have done it a few years ago where Tigers were second from bottom for most of the season. It's slightly harder to to, uh, to, to talk about it and discuss. So, no, we um similar sort of setups this, do it for, for the fans, from fans. And um, yeah, so it's, um, it's all good fun. I go stealing my line. You were there, Steve, weren't you? Back in there. Uh, I was at Twickers, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I consumed a rather large amount of alcohol that day, um, before, during, and after the game. Uh, and a great to be back at the top again, and uh, what a what a transformation in really eighteen months or something since Borthwick's been there, and a good name for a Tigers uh, podcast, Rolling More. Yeah, it was very apt. I think I think it's about as suitable a name as uh, we could get um, for it. To be fair, well, we're grateful for you joining us today for for the show. Uh, so we've got Barry in for his first show of the season as well. Uh, he's got his Villa shirt on today. Probably a few tears being dried into that, as I imagine. <laughs> there has, there certainly has been this weekend. Uh, yeah, very disappointing. What happened? 
Um, nothing. That's the problem. Nothing happened. <laughs> uh, nothing's been learned since last season. Nothing's happened to preseason, and Stephen Gerrard is clearly a fraud. Well, on that note, we'll move on to <laughs> say hello to say hello to him. Stephen Gerrard's clearly a fraud. Gerrard out after one game, Baz. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been, I think I was campaigning that pretty much most of last season. Um, yeah, he's he's not the man for us. Well, Scott Parker was bemoaning the fact he hasn't got a squad fit for the Premier League. Yeah, and still turned us over. So that, that, yeah. that says it all. Well, there we go. Aidan, you had the Irish Charity Shield on Saturday. You spoke about that on our podcast on Saturday. Give us a bit of an update as to what went down to lift that trophy for the crews. For the crews, yeah, to, to, to lift the, the coveted Charity Shield. So it's actually the first time they played the Charity Shield since 2017. Um, not pretty tepid first half, but Crusaders really kicked on in the second half, and um, they're good with a two-nil victory. Um, really nice goal from veteran winger Paul Heatley, um, lobbing the keeper from just outside the box, or just inside the box, right? Um, so yeah, put a smile on my face. I'm in love with football. Was it Linfield reserves they played? Was that? Uh, Linfield might have one eye on their Europe Europa um, League <laughs> tie against FC Zurich this week, but that takes nothing away from our. Our victory. Silverware, silverware, isn't it? They uh, might be doing Tom, a like Leicester City last season, so have to uh, make them up. Yeah, that's a good point. Tom, we were down there yesterday. Have you recovered? Yeah, yeah, I have recovered. Um, disappointing, but, you know, I, I think for the most part, we, we showed that we're, we've not completely fallen apart as a team, so... Um, yeah, mixed feelings about yesterday. Well, we'll come on to that as we, we go through. But Elliot, I'll start off with you. What's what's a match day look like for you? Because it's great to get back down there again, isn't it, after the uh, summer break? Yeah, I've got to say my sort of match day's changed a little bit. So uh, before, uh, up until uh, November last year, I used to live on Denmark Road opposite um, Leicestershire Cricket Club. So my match day was quite straightforward because you could sort of mosey down whatever time you wanted to and... Um, head into the cricketers for pretty much beer for one store, just get some cans and just, you know, drink at home and, and wander down. So moving to Melton, my match day sort of changed somewhat. So I'm sort of at the mercy of whatever time I can get into Leicester now and decide where I can park up and, and go down. So it's not quite as uh, relaxed and, and easy as it used to be. No, I remember the days when I was at uni at DeMontford and uh, could wake up at two o'clock in the afternoon and get down there still with the time for a pint before kickoff. It was it was great. It's uh, a bit different now, though. But presumably you went down there with some high hopes yesterday. Yeah, I know we haven't signed anyone, but you know, pretty much a fully fit squad and, and against a side in the second season syndrome for for Brentford. Did you think we were going to get three points? Yeah, I'd probably say I thought I've sort of been on a little bit of a journey throughout pre-season where you start off in a bit of a um, not quite a full negative mindset, but you can you can feel a bit sort of hacked off with with how things played out last year. But as pre-season progresses, and the more you think about it, the more you start thinking actually, you know, there's enough going for us to think we're having a good season. <clears throat> as the pre-season progressed, you're starting to see some patterns of play, some goals uh, being scored, tightening up at the back. And I thought actually we were going into to it off the back of a fairly good pre-season. The boys had been together, you know. For the first time, probably in three or four years almost, it felt like we've actually had a proper pre-season where they've had four or five weeks together, implementing some ideas, implementing some new tactics and, and getting the fitness right. So you go into to yesterday's game fairly confident. You know, you're at home, good pre-season. 
with all due respect to Brentford, they're a good side, but they're probably one of the better teams you can have first up, first game of the season to, to, to get three points. So you go into the game, on the Sunbeam, that obviously helps as well. So you go into the game in, in, in fairly good spirits, to be fair. So, yeah, that was, I sort of walked into the ground a bit belatedly because of the queues outside the stadium. Um, did you get caught in that, did you, yesterday? Yeah, I rocked up at half an hour beforehand and it was just manic pretty much everywhere. So um, I think that needs a bit of bedding in, I think, for yeah. For the rest of This is the new mo- mobile ticketing that's going to speed everything up, that slows everything down. So me and Tom We should make- speed it up. Do people not know how to show, scan a uh, mobile ticket? I mean... But they've what? changed the way you put your season ticket in and everything, Steve. <laughs> yeah, before, yeah, before yeah. Your actual physical card, that's changed now as well. Yeah, I was trying uh, to work out if it was system error or, or personnel error. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion it was probably more of a latter than the uh, than the actual system. But who am I to? Uh, yeah. who am I to <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to the crux of the problems from yesterday already now, so that's, that's a good start. <laughs> but you know, most of us were feeling really positive, Aidan, and apart from you, who had it down, had us down for a draw. What made you think we weren't going to pick three points up yesterday? I had us down for a two-two draw, in fact. Um, yeah, well done. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting proudly on top of the prediction league, Elliot. Um, I guess just the, as we we're speaking about on Saturday, just the lack of signings and my fear, my big fear is this could turn into a backwards season um, in terms of, you know, whether we lose anyone else before or, or more than one player before the, the transfer window. I just I wasn't I guess the main thing is I wasn't sure where the players' heads were, um, and if the fact that Fafana um, seems to want away and where Madison's state of mind is, and that kind of made me think that psychologically we mightn't have the metal for it, and um, if if Brentford really got us, um, so things did turn out a bit differently in the match in terms of how it went than maybe I expected, but. You know this, the result was there, and and maybe you know Brentford came at us later in the game than I thought they would, and and we kind of did didn't quite know how to handle them whenever they changed their tactics. So yeah, that's what I thought would happen. Maybe just um, I thought we might go behind rather than take the lead. That's a long yeah. way around to say that your glass glass is half empty there, Aidan. Sorry, <laughs> I'm working that. Just Steve, when when the team news came through, was there any surprises in that for you? I think. We looked at it, me and Tom and saw Amati in there instead of Siunku, which in hindsight obviously might not have been the correct decision. I think he had a bit of a tough afternoon yesterday, uh, Dan Amati. But was there any surprises in the lineup or the, or the formation? Uh, no, I thought, uh, well, we had a discussion, didn't we, on Saturday about this. There's always a chance he was going to go through at the back and get width from um, the wing backs, and uh, being as we were short of wingers for the game. So we thought that was a possibility. Um, I think why Cags didn't get in and in case of Amati uh, instead of Amati, that was a bit of a surprise. I was surprised to see him in the back three. Uh, but, you know, I've not watched them train and everything else. There must be something something about what Cags isn't doing or Amati's been doing in training that made Brendan go that way. Or is it? Uh, because Amati's not even left-footed, he's right-footed, isn't he? Mm. So, um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise, but we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. Other than that, I wasn't too surprised, no. Did you catch the game yesterday, Baz? Did you see any of it? I didn't, unfortunately. I was uh, around at my dad's, and he's a United fan, so I had to, 
had to watch that. Well, actually, that was quite entertaining, to be fair. But yeah, I had to watch that game. But I've, so yeah, I saw the highlights. Um, when I saw the, I saw, obviously looked at the lineup and and whatnot, and uh, like I didn't think it was that bad. Like, uh, like to be fair to Marty, at the end of the season, it was it wasn't terrible. So maybe maybe I thought that was the right right choice because Sioncho wasn't that. Like grant granted this been preseason, but I think if you have to go with a kind of momentum, Amarty deserved this chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like when it came to lineups, I, I wasn't too disappointed. I was actually thought this this is strong, and I'm glad he went back to the back three. I thought that was going to pay off. And I it did probably well. the first hour uh, yesterday. <laughs> champagne football. Unfortunately, it was followed by 30 minutes of flat champagne or um, <laughs> Prosecco. That's dispumante, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, Lambert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the first hour was really, really good. You know, those questions around Wesley Fofana and was he going to be there? Uh, Elliot, he, he was absolutely superb, wasn't he, for that first hour? And probably, to be fair to him, throughout the whole game yesterday, he was like a Rolls-Royce at the back. Yeah, absolute pleasure to, to, to watch him. And, and for that first hour... I don't think it was just for Farner to be fair. I think you could make a case for for all eleven that were on the pitch that you know for the first hour we looked good value for a two 0 lead. You, you know you looked <laughs> solid at the back. We were controlling in the midfield. We looked fairly dangerous going forward. I think at halftime we'd had four or five chances and tested the keeper a couple of times. So you know in all intents and purposes, you know Danny Ward in, in goal he was looking solid as well. So in all aspects of the pitch. We looked fairly solid for that first 60, 65 minutes. And, you know, if we talk about specifically Fafana, I'd probably say he was probably the, the, the jewel of the back three, to be fair. He was winning his uh, battles both in the air and on the floor. Uh, really good distribution, looked comfortable um, with the ball at his feet. A couple of real nice tackles from um, when the ball got into their centre forwards. And, you know, and it decided into that feeling of, you know, we go 2-0 up and just felt solid. And, yeah. I don't really feel in that first 60, 65 minutes, Brentford had had much of a sniff or much yeah. of a chance. And you, you sit there and go, actually, you know, this is looking fairly good. And, you, you know, obviously, we've all spoken about different concerns we may have had going into to, to, to the game. At that point, after 60 minutes, you're feeling a little bit comfortable and you're feeling fairly solid and looking forward. To, you're almost looking forward to the rest of the season. Because you think if that's what it's going to be, you're starting to get into the season a lot more. It's time for a, a bit of a confession from me. I turned to Tom at about 61, 62 minutes <laughs> and said, uh, there's some comparisons here from 15, 16. We're playing against a team in red and white, first game of the season. We're absolutely duffing them. I said, this is going to be four or five. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said to you, Tom, didn't I? It's going to be four did, or yeah, five. You... <laughs> we were in so much control of the game. We'd hit the post twice. We, you know, we'd come close on a couple more occasions. We yeah. were in total control of that football match. Yeah, absolutely. We were in total control. Um, we were actually allowed a bit of space to to play with flair. Um, and yeah, the, the confidence levels. I mean, to be fair, going to the ground, I felt like my confidence with what I thought how we were going to play was was growing as I got there. And, you know, the fans around us uh, were all quite well. positive as well. Um but yeah, now as, as the match went on and on, you you did think, God, we're going to get three or four here, um, and then one goal turns it around, and we just absolutely crumbled. We'll come on to the reason why we think we crumbled shortly. <laughs> Aiden, have you got you got your hand up there? It's very formal. Very formal. I was just going to ask. I, I'm going from match of the day to highlights, um, but I was just going to ask you: Did there seem to be a, a 
five minute spell where that champagne went flat quite suddenly that you guys noticed or was yeah, it the first but, goal I know match of the day two picked up on the substitutions and the change that that um Brentford made at 59 60 minutes going to a back three and kind of they were picking up that that we didn't seem to know how to respond to that but did it seem quite quite sudden that you thought actually we're not going to win 5-0 here we're going to Struggle. Yeah, from what they scored, I think Tom Elliot, would you would yeah. you agree with that? The whole atmosphere yeah, changed. Yeah, there was a very noticeable sort of backing off. I think the, the, the changes got made by um, by Brentford, and it was almost as if we was we reverted to type where we just go, we've got a two 0 lead, we'll take it, see you later, and, and try and go back to the wall. And and for me, we're not a back to the wall team anymore. We, you know, over the last two or three years, we've we've shown that under Brendan. That, we are not that sort of team. And that's, that's not, that's fine. It's not a criticism in itself. You just have to accept that we're not that sort of team. You have to keep on going and play. You have to keep it going in the, the sort of original strategy that you are. And it did feel that the changes that Brentford made, we sort of responded to that by not really pressing as much as we had done. Or our recovery work in the midfield completely dropped off. They then get the goal and suddenly all of those things which we just discussed became more pronounced because we then make a substitution which I'm sure we'll get onto, is that at that point, all control of the midfield completely went from it. And it was almost acceleration of all of that mm. came together. So therefore, the next half an hour, 25 minutes after the goal is a perfect encapsulation of all of those problems coming together. And at that point, we never really claimed any sort of foothold in the game again. Yeah, all I'd say is I only, I only listened to it, right? But I listened to the whole game and then watched the highlights afterwards. And we were so well in control. It could have been three or four easy and we were comfortable we it sounded like we were very comfortable at the back um but what Jerry Taggart noticed before we conceded is we just started to get sloppy so even Fafana gave the ball away in a dangerous area nothing happened about it but if you look at the two goals and I know Marty's got us slagging but Madison and others just dangled legs they didn't get in and tackle and everything started to get sloppy we were missing passes and Didi was doing that a lot as well um we weren't pressing the same way as we were before uh and we were missing tackles so everything started to get a little bit sloppy now whether that's tired minds and and Roger should have made more changes uh in the heat first match and everything else probably he should have done um because tired minds lead to mistakes, but you don't you don't tighten up at the back or say we'll we'll stick with two nil by putting a forward on and taking a midfielder off. It just didn't work, right? And I think it's because of the sloppiness and uh, they lost their concentration and focus basically. And once the goal went in, there was a bit of panic, wasn't there? I have to I have to say as a neutral though, the the goal was good. Do you know, like the the pass. I don't know who made the pass to Tony. That pass was brilliant. I watched it a couple of times. I was trying to put like a Leicester head on and just go like, how could that have been stopped? And the only thing I could see that stopped that was Yuri getting to the midfielder faster, but he was he was going in relatively fast. I think sometimes you just have to chalk off the goal being excellent because it was an excellent goal. Well, uh, Martin was the wrong side of him, though. Of, yeah. of Tony? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe so, but... Tony did everything he needed to do as a top striker. I thought I was, I thought yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fantastic one. Good player. Yes, Staden, you put your hand up again. <laughs> just, just uh, you know, in in watching it, trying to be respectful. Part of the issue is Johnny Evans runs out, doesn't he? And 
and Justin's a little bit behind Evans, but not much. And then Amarte's, you know, another few yards back. And, uh, you know, that was an issue. You know, they just didn't all come out as a, a together. Um, you know, Evans but is part on of that. Out. Part of that, I think, was because it was Amarty that took the throw in, right? right? So he's he's trying to get back from the throwing because we lost it straight away, where the others are pulling out. So he was mentally, I think he was a little bit behind Justin and Evans had decided to come out. He yeah. was trying to get back to mark his man and in the end was caught in no man's land, wasn't he? Yeah. Of course, no chance for Danny Ward on really either of the two goals. Tom, how did you think he did yesterday? Uh, it was good. He got a good level of support, didn't he, from the crowd? Yeah, I, th- I think he's spot on with that. It's, um, he was not at fault at all for, for either of the goals. Um, yeah, I mean, early doors, he was coming and collecting the ball, wasn't he? And he, he looked full of confidence. The crowd was all behind him as well. Obviously, a bit bit unusual for us to not have Schmeichel there. But, um, yeah, I, I thought he did really well. Um, kind of all, all the corners, all the balls that were coming in, he was, he was going for it, commanding his box well. He was passing around the back and it didn't feel um, as if we were under pressure or in danger when he, when he was doing it. Um so, yeah, I think it's a positive step for him. I mean, it was very much a 50-50 as who was going to get their gloves going into that, Steve. Uh, now Danny Ward's got them. Uh, and with the comments that Brendan Rodgers made before about having two number ones when Schmeichel was here, it looks like it's going to be his shirt to lose now, doesn't it? Well, he has got the number one on the back of it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's, a, that's probably a bit of a clue. But, I mean, we said, didn't we, on Saturday that he'll be much better at, at uh, controlling the area than Casper ever was. He'd probably never be quite as good a shot stopper as Casper, but we've missed that that bit of the game at the back, I think, having somebody that will give the defenders confidence that can come out and claim the ball. Uh, and we didn't concede from a set piece or look like we were going to concede from a set piece. So that was good. And we scored from one. So. We scored from one. Quite yeah. the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good to see Timmy uh, Castagna on the score sheet again on the opening day of the season, Elliot. He seems to like it, doesn't he, on the first game. I think he scored against West Brom a couple of years ago on uh, on day one. It was a it was a really well-worked corner, wasn't it? A, a attacking header from the near post uh, and sent us all into a bit of delirium. Yeah, definitely. It's... To be fair to, um, I think, Madison, who's taken the corner, that's a lot of what, when we do our, our corner routines, that is a lot of what we sort of aim for, whipping it to the near post and someone getting across the defender at, and heading it across to, to get it onto the goal. So the frustrating thing is that we don't get it right so often. So it seems such a rare event uh, when we do score from the corner. But yeah, it's a, a fabulous routine in terms of, um, of 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 getting the goal, so it's nice to see both attacking and defensively. Steve mentioned it there. I think you know there was a couple of nervousness around the ground when the first corner did get um, you know get conceded. But you saw after after those first two or three, and I don't want to put the old um, mockers on us, but we did look comfortable from each one. Yeah, absolutely. We looked we looked comfortable from each one. It looked like we had a bit more of a, um, a structure to what we we're doing defensively around the set pieces and. The only thing I'd say defensively, I'd still prefer us to have at least one or two men out uh, on the halfway line. I mean, which you put Pat and Dakar up front. I think you've got to start putting Dakar and Vardy on the halfway line just to, to yeah. drag a couple of bodies back. But but I think from a set piece, it's both an attack and, and defence. I thought we were we were um, much improved and looked solid at back and looked more threatening going forward with them. So hopefully, obviously, once our uh, infamous set piece 
set piece coach gets his uh, visa sorted, we can start seeing them a fair few uh, improvements as well. What's, what's, sorry, what's, what's changed? So I mean, we talked a lot about the zonal, zonal market last season. So is that, has that been changed then? So is it man marking or is it the same scenario? No, it was still zonal. What, what I noticed, I don't know if you guys can correct me with this, but I felt every ball that came in, there was a real desire to attack the ball from our uh, from, from our side. So the first few corners they put in, Vardy was at the front post and he got his head on both of them. And anything that went deeper than that, Danny Ward came and, came and claimed. So I just felt like we were just we had a different mindset in terms of defending the corners. I think we got better last season as well, to be honest, Barry, towards the end. And we had Fafana, Evans and Ndidi and Vardy all attacking the ball. Or I can't remember the last time we had Fafana, Evans and Ndini, Ndidi. Yeah you know, and all that height there and aggression to attack the ball. So, yeah. yeah. There, was de- there, was def- there was definitely attention to detail because Brentford were um, zone marking and Tony's obviously the guy that goes to your post and Castagna had, what, five-yard run on that? Yeah, like, did, And yeah. Tony did nothing to it. So it's, it, it is impressive. At least they've, they've done the homework on that too. Well, Vardy's normally near post, isn't he? And I think he was as well. So maybe Tony was keeping an eye on him and Castagna sneak, uh, snuck up behind him. It was a good run. Yeah, it was a good run. What also happened just before that was Fafana sort of went down-ish on the halfway line. He sort of looked like he was going to go down injured. And then he was late arriving into the box. And I just wonder if um, some of the eyes that would have been on him before were suddenly on him as the ball was being played yeah. in. I think um, so, so, too, yeah. yeah that was I, can't, I can't believe that you're highlighting our new tactic, our new corner tactic on the podcast, Mark. <laughs> yeah, let's hope uh, Mikel Arteta is not listening. Uh, <laughs> finding out that before, <laughs> before Saturday. We just have um, to block him. So we're relatively happy going into half-time. Sunshine in first game of the season. I thought the atmosphere was pretty good as well, guys. Uh, they, where do you sit, Elliot, by the way, in the, in the ground? I'm in SK2. So yes, yeah, so SK2, row LL, and I think it's seat number 155. So you're near the the singing area now, are you? Yeah, I'm effectively to block um, along as such. So the atmosphere, I thought, was was much improved compared to to last year. And I think it will take a bit of time to to bed in and, you know, to get... I think it's just... It's the issue is, is that the group that are there will always be singing their songs. It's just taking it to catch across both for yeah. the rest of that stand and around the stadium. Because once it catches on and goes with it, it can become very loud. It just depends on everyone sort of joining in with them rather than just let them sing it around to themselves. So um, I think from an atmosphere point of view, it was um, it was uh, a lot better. You say you're 155? Yes. The yeah, so much. Yeah. That's me, isn't it, 155? Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're directly... Behind us, so you get the same same view, but from a higher. Anyway, we'll carry on. Is that the same birthday as well? Do you? <laughs> well, it's my birthday next Monday. I hope you guys haven't forgotten that. <laughs> Silence. Uh, well, I'm not going to forget. You know that, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going to the second half, and we're barely taking our seat again. Then Kin and Jewsbury Hall scored what could only be described as a bit of a rocket. Tom, talk us through that goal and how it happened. Oh my God. It, it was a bit of a blur, actually, because, as you say, it was it was so soon after kickoff. Um, but I think the guys in midfield, they were just gaining confidence as, as the first half went on. Um, you know, they were, they were starting to take long pot shots at the goal. I know uh, Yuri had one in the first half that was pretty tasty. Uh, that got us going. Um, 
And yeah, it didn't stop throughout the game, actually, the pot shots until until the fatal 30 minutes at the end. But <laughs> but yeah, the, the pass on to Jewsbury Hall, it, to be fair to him, yeah, a good amount of space. Um, but I can't believe the way he hit it. Like, it was so clean and kept it so low, tucked right into that post. There was, I mean, watching the highlights on Match of the Day, I couldn't believe how far out it was. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> it, it didn't look that far out, did it? It looked bloody good at the time, but yeah, the distance it gets on that with the power, my God. Hey, what did you make to Ken and just be all's goal? Uh, I was a great strike. Great, as you guys were saying, great power in it and um, placement. And even though it was from, from far out, the keeper didn't have a chance. No, really sweet strike. Jimmy Vardy did well just to have the, um, the quick thinking, just to put it in his path. And so it was a nice setup, but yeah, I thought it was a great, great strike and, and a very good performance from him um, overall. Yeah, until he got taken um, off. Until he got taken, we're coming on onto it. Timing is everything, guys. Timing is everything. Uh, Barry, was that one of the best goals of the weekend? Would you say? Uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. You don't, you don't really hit shots that clean very often, uh, and I can be happier for the guy as well. I'm so glad that that happened to him because uh, it's the one thing that's probably missing from his game: his goals. Uh, he's and there's nothing. Yeah, so this like like he's. I think you you started you opened our eyes to him. I don't know how long ago it was, and then just watching him play, and he's he's earned that shirt, and he must be first choice now midfield. And if he can just start firing in, he doesn't need to be in the double figures by the end of the season. But if he can get between like five and ten and keep playing the way he's playing, he, a would be in England contention. You'd like to think. I think he. Well, sorry, sorry, no, I was going to say, I think, I think I agree completely with that. And I think where you said about his now first choice, I think that's a fascinating point because almost beforehand, it was almost a choice between Yuri and, and Kieran about who played in that midfield. You now have a fascinating point where actually both Dewsbury Hall and Tielemans are almost undroppable. And if you want to sit in midfielder with Indeedy, that makes it, it then almost affects the rest of the team. Because if you wanted to play, let's say, our wingers were available. You'd look to maybe play a 4-2-3-1. Well, that means having to shift maybe a Madison out to the, to the right-hand side of a three rather than being in the middle where he normally plays because ultimately the, it now becomes a real interesting point, especially if Tielemans doesn't go this, this summer about who plays where because Sunday was almost a, an easy way out for, for Brendan. He didn't have to make a tough decision about who to play. By playing three at the back, it meant he, he could pick that... Um, that starting lineup it allowed him to play those three as a central midfield. I think there is going to come a point where, you know, once Barnes comes back and maybe we can start playing with wingers, there is going to be an interesting discussion about who, as I say, who plays where and if he if he tries to play everyone or if he has to make a tough decision. And if he has to make that tough decision, who's the one that misses out? Because for all intents and purposes, you, you, I find it hard to drop Dewsbury Hall in the form he's in. Yeah, you drop Yuri. Drop yeah, Yuri. Get rid of Yuri. It's time to cash in on him and get it on. Well, if, if we can get an offer, if someone puts an offer for yeah. me, we might yeah. be able to sell him at the moment. It's, it's always coming next week, isn't it? Apparently, this offer, it's always next week, never seems to come, though. It's like your um, mate is always going to pay you back. I'll pay it back next week. I'll pay you yeah. back next week. <laughs> You're going to put their offer in on Klarna like, uh, like Newcastle did for, for Madison. Um, can, can we start the Dewsbury Hall for vice captain there? Conversation again yet, Steve, or is it too early for you? Um, 
It's an option. I think it's an option. Why not? Um, he's not been a regular player for a long time. Um, so maybe that's putting a little bit too much pressure on him um, right now. But certainly I think um, next next season, he should definitely be figuring into that. I'd, I'd vote for him for the captain. From a, um, from a Tigers perspective, if I put my Tigers hat back on, one of the successes they have had is about giving, you know, Tigers have got a lot of young lads coming through at 19, 20, 21, 22, and really talented boys coming through from their academy. And one of the things that they've done is put a lot of responsibility onto their shoulders by including them into leadership groups, including them into the analysis sessions that they do after the games and making them a real big part of what they're trying to do over the last couple of years. I actually think you could take that mentality and give it to someone like a Dewsbury Hall and say, look, you're 22, you've had a, you know, over a year now of being in the first team. Quite clearly, he's got a, an old head on young shoulders, less of through and through, completely committed. I, I understand where Steve's coming from and I appreciate actually there is that concern it could be too much too soon. For me, he's got the makings of someone actually who would flourish with that extra bit of responsibility. And if you said to him, look, go out and be, um, be the vice captain, you know, around the group and, and take on a bit more of a leadership role. I think it would suit him because you, you, with Casper going, you are crying out with a little bit of leadership in the group, you know, not just on the, the, the field of play, but in the group around the training ground. We've lost Wes Morgan, we've lost Casper. You know, at some point, Jamie Vardy is going to go as well. So that's another big personality, oh, another yeah. big figure that's mm-hmm. going to, I know, we're all, we're all dreading that day when that day comes. But that, it is going to be a big loss that goes. So I think you've got to look at, one at the here and now, but as a succession planning for, for the group for the next three or four years. And I would, I'd be looking at Dewsbury Hall and say, look, go out and be vice-captain. Again, that comes back to the brief point of, you know, who's going to play in the midfield role. So I think that there might be a discussion point about that. But in terms of the question, who should be vice-captain, I think as a nice link, as a succession, I would be looking at, I would be looking at Dewsbury Hall. And Barry, you'd take that even further, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think, I think he should be captain. I think um, he's... He's so robust, and I, I touch wood, uh, like I, I hope I'm not jinxing the boy, but he's just, he's all action. He, he he seems a shouter. He seems like someone that's shouting everyone. He plays with absolutely out of skin. And for me, he should be captain. I think he, um, I, like, he epitomised to me what a captain should be. And who, who is it? Evan, Evans is captain. Yeah. Yeah, but he, like, he should, well, you granted he's been great for Leicester when he, when he plays, but that's been few and far between. So you need to, you need to have someone that's on the pitch all the time, and not necessarily a starter because he's a favourite. A starter because he earns it and shows that and and leads. And I think he he is. It's not too soon for him because he's 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 got the mental capacity for it. I think he is the right guy. I think he um, and he'd be so proud of that role, and he he would just be phenomenal. And I think, well, actually, maybe there's a cleverness behind it because. Rogers maybe just thought, well, if we give him a vice captain, he doesn't need to take the full responsibility. He might have to cover when Evans is injured and whatnot, and then that's when he can shine. But um, for for me, he's he is the captain. He should be the captain. Yeah, he's come out and said, uh, Aiden, he wants to play for the club for, forever. He he just wants to finish his career at Leicester. That's a pretty big statement for a young lad to make, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty huge statement, isn't it? Because, yeah. Um... Who he hasn't got a crystal ball, like we don't know the future, and, and hopefully um, he'll continue to progress and, and, and become an England an England regular. Um, but uh, you know, there comes a time where 
either the clubs, well, not so much the clubs too good for him, but um, if things don't go well, will he want to be carry on playing for us? But nice sentiment. Um, I wouldn't put too much weight in that yet. But if you're if you're a club looking for a midfielder and you're looking at Yuri, why wouldn't you be looking at him? Like other than maybe he's the, not for snail. Other than maybe the range of passing that Yuri does have, like what does he not have that he's better than Yuri? At? I just I just don't um, I don't get it. I, I don't why I don't get the the money and the hype on Yuri when KDH is a better player in my opinion. All right, we've done nearly forty minutes of this podcast. We've not we've not addressed the elephant in the room just yet, so it's probably a good time to. So we're winning two one, seventy third minute yesterday, and then a decision was made to take Juice Hall off and put Pat Sandaka on up front. What did you think of that at the time, Elliot? What was your what's going through your mind in the ground when that happened? Well, first of all, I was a bit intrigued by Brendan making an attacking substitution at that point, which is normally he normally packs the midfield with or just normally goes full-on defensive. So uh, it's one of those where I found it strange in terms of if you're going to bring someone off at that point, if you wanted, or put it, put it this way, if you're determined to put Pats and Dakar onto the field, taking Dewsbury Hall off is a strange way of going about it because Vardy at that point had a very quiet game, hadn't really had many touches of the ball and hadn't had much impact in, in the game. To me, if you wanted Dakar on the pitch, it's a like-for-like substitution because ultimately where would we got control of the game? was in the midfield um, positions. We looked fairly comfortable in the midfield. And fair enough, they had just scored. But again, that did it's a good goal. And we've, we spoke about all the things that came with that. But it was still fairly against the run of play. It doesn't change the fact that the fundamentals of where we, we were, we're still in a strong position. And to me, you did, there was three or four fairly obvious substitutions you could have made that didn't involve taking Dewsbury Hall off for, for Dakar. I mean, if you wanted, as I said, Dakar on, Vardy off, that would have been one for me. Maybe something like James Justin off and um, or Castanio off and maybe bringing all Brighton on so you've got a bit of energy up and down the, the right-hand side. You know, Madison, I thought, was tiring. So you've got a Jose Perez available to you. That's a, to me, that's a like-for-like substitution. Yuri's in the midfield, strug- maybe struggling because he's with the heat. Again, you've got Dennis Pratt. Indeed, he's given the ball away a few times. Steve's mentioned about the sloppiness in the past and I think, indeed, he was fairly guilty on two or three occasions, um, we saw his weakness with his distribution comes to fore a little bit. Again, if you think indeed he's struggling in that midfield, you've got Mendy on the bench. So, you know, fundamentally, you've got a, a quite a good setup in terms of formation and how the game was being played. You didn't really need to go too much outside of that system to make your substitutions. And then, it, So it's just bizarre that you only make, on a, on a boiling hot day like that, you can see the boys are physically getting tired in front of you, but you only make one substitution and then the one substitution that you do make is almost a completely wrong it's just infuriating because it's so so much the wrong substitution to make in that situation if all the ones you could have made you do you do the worst possible one and I think that's where I come away from from yesterday's game so frustrated because it was in our grasp you had the game there we could all have seen in the ground or watching on or listening in that you know there's three or four substitutions to be made we're allowed five now yeah. And of all the things that, you know, of all the decisions you could do, you do nothing or make the completely wrong one. And it, it, even bizarrely, he comes out after the game and says, oh, I've identified the issue. The boys are tired. Well, you know, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Your, your job is to identify what the problem is and then go and fix it. No point saying, oh, well, I found the problem. Well, you didn't do anything about it. You know, it, it, it leads to the such frustrations I have with, with yesterday and the discussion for maybe another day, the manager, because ultimately it's hard to, 
it's hard to defend a bloke when he comes out and says nonsense like that after the game because we could all of us can see it. I'll see well, yeah. ten million pounds a year to make that sort of decision. And that for me, I know you're a bit of a defender of Brendan. Um, those two points dropped were on him yesterday. I can't, I can't have that any other way. He had the, he had the elements at his disposal to make sure that, that didn't happen, and it left it. And then said afterwards, as Elliot just said, well, the lads were a bit tired. I said to Tom halfway through the second half, they've made five subs, we've made one. The basic science of this is going to be, they're going to be fresher. This, you can mm. change half your side now. It's just madness to me that he, he made that call yesterday. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I normally, um, I w- normally will defend Rogers because he gets an unfair slagging at times. But yeah, um, first game of the season, players obviously struggling. Uh, a very hot game. They've got a load of fresh legs and we don't respond. So um, that's down to the manager for sure. Um, maybe some of the mistakes and sloppiness aren't down to him, but he could well have put Mendy on, Pratt on, um, Perez, may, maybe even uh, Samare instead of uh, Ndidi, another option. He so, could have freshened it up, but uh, he didn't. And, and it is bizarre because it's not like we've got poor substitutes anymore. No, I, yeah. I agree with that. I think that's a really good point. Is that for all the talk about the weakness of, of maybe the squad overall or we need to make some changes, if you look at the, the, the team and the bench that was selected yesterday, you know, that forms pretty much the squad you'd want to make. If you're talking about rebuilding the squad, the 18 lads that were selected yesterday were form the backbone of that. I mean, you throw in Ricardo and you throw in Harvey Barnes, obviously. And that yeah. gives you your 20 lads that, you, that you'd want to build a squad around. Obviously, you'd want to make some improvements on that. Obviously, you'd want to upgrade Marty or, or Perez or Mendy or whoever. But fundamentally, those 20 there is of what, fundamentally, of what a really good squad you've got. You have the five or six that you want to move on are the ones that weren't fe- featured yesterday. They're the boys that are maybe blocking um, squad development. They're the ones that you're probably trying to shift and trying to get out of the way. So mm-hmm. there's an argument which a few f- fans have sort of put forward about yesterday, that he was playing games or, you know, trying to prove a point to, to the ownership. But it's a very dangerous game to get into for numerous reasons. And, and one, because, you know, you're upsetting the, the lads that aren't getting on. You know, if you're not getting on in that situation, you are going to feel fairly you know, fairly hacked off and you're going to feel a bit disillusioned with things. But more importantly, the, the team he's picked is good enough. You know, if, if you're telling me that the 18 you've not picked yesterday isn't good enough to beat Brentford at home, again, it leaves yourself open to criticism. And if you're the owners in that situation and your manager goes, oh, well, I didn't make any substitutions because my bench isn't good enough, you'd look at who's on the bench and you'd go, we've got an issue here. To me, that, yeah. that to me is where you, if your manager gets sacked, if... That if the manager starts saying things like that, that is a big worry to me. Or if that's the game he's trying to play, and I'm not sure he is, so I reserve judgment on that. It is a dangerous route to start going down if you start into trying to send messages to the management because yeah, I, I doubt it, Elliot. I doubt it. I mean, but if I was Pratt or Samari and I've had a good pre-season, I'd be a bit pissed off at not getting. Samari wasn't even in the squad yesterday. I know, but I'd get pissed off at not getting some game time as a result <laughs> of um, putting in some performances. Um, and I would think if he wants to prove a point, he brings five subs on and we throw the game away. That's uh, how he would prove a point, not by not bringing them on. No, I, th- I have to say, I, th- I think the way, the way Roger's been talking, he's, he's, he's very, very similar to Mourinho, man. I think, I think like, he, he is that. I think he was making a point yesterday. He obviously didn't want to throw away the points. Of course he didn't. 
But if like I didn't watch the game, so if you guys are talking about players being tired and that, the, like Ellie said, the, the bench is more very strong to replace like for like. There isn't really a position where they could do like for like. But he was making a point. There's no, I totally believe that's what he was. The way he's been talking preseason, the way it, the thing that pisses me off about it, right, is I watch me. I've been watching the media and whatever. A lot of pundits saying that Leicester are going to be struggling in the bottom and struggling in the bottom half. They shouldn't be. If they've got a fully fit squad, the squad's awesome. The squad is awesome. There's no denying that bench is a good bench. You can you can replace like for like and change formations wherever we want to go the way they were or thrown on Ian Nacho or whatever to make it two up top. That squad is ace. I don't. There is a couple of upgrades that are there to be had, and maybe there's a couple of players that played with their mind elsewhere. But realistically, Rodgers is just throwing the toys in the pram, in my opinion. And he's just like, I want more players. These players don't want to be here, so we're about to get whatever money for, for fans will to go. Like, Chelsea will get their man. They fanned about with Cucurella. They're not going to do that again. They're just going to say, what is it you want for Fana? Here you go. That's going to happen. So Rodgers needs to prepare for that. But his, his, there's something about him. It, the way he's talking, he has got a petulant side to him and a bit of an arrogant side to him. But the way he's been talking pre-season for me, it does sound like he's doing that Mourinho, I'm not getting what I want, I'm not getting backed by the board, yada, yada, yada. I don't have the thirst for it. When most squads in that league would absolutely cry for a squad that you guys have got. It, it just it just doesn't sit right with me. And he, his attitude stinks. And I think it will flow through the players eventually. I think we'll leave it at that point, guys, in terms of uh, yesterday. We play a, a game on this show every episode, Elliot, called Last Man Standing. So one of the guys will pre- prepare a question, usually me. Uh, however, tonight it's not. Aidan, you couldn't be bothered to do it. So uh, <laughs> I did it on Saturday, all right. I'm not your Irish slave. <laughs> so it's a response to it. Um, so there's going to be a question. The last person that's left in at the end will be the, the winner. And our guest has won the first one of the seasons. So if you beat us tonight, that's going to be... Uh, double whammy for us to start with. Steve, you've got the question, haven't you? I have got a question. And, um, well, to do with uh, the great success of the uh, English women winning the Euros and whatever, I was interested in how many uh, England players are in the squads of the current Premier League and Championship teams. And um, and I was thinking out of a, out of a squad of, 25, 28, whatever you're allowed. There's got to be at least 12, hasn't there? Right? But out of those Premier League teams and Championship teams, there's 21 21, um, clubs, teams, that don't have 13 or more English players listed. As per Sports Mole today, excluding players out on loan. But including players that they've got in on loan. Okay. So what are you asking? Sorry. So what I want to do is name the 21 teams in the Premier League and Championship that don't have 13 or more English players registered in their squad as per the women. today. The women's. No, men. Oh. And I'm going to start with Mark. Chelsea. Chelsea only have 11. You're through to the next round. Next, as I'm going around the screen, it's Baz. Um, has to be Wolves. Wolves actually only have five. 
And so you're through to the next round. Tom? Uh, I don't know why, but I'm going to go Watford. Watford only have nine, so well done. Uh, one of the championship teams that don't have uh, many English players. Um, Aidan? Uh, go for Arsenal. Arsenal is a correct answer. Well done. You're through. And Elliot? I'm a bit annoyed because I had Chelsea and Arsenal with my first two picks. <laughs> so, um, Brighton. Brighton. Actually, you're right. So you're through to the next round. Back to Mark. Normally, Elliot would do let the guests go first. Steve's just um, forgot yeah. the runners tonight, so I apologise. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not offended. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, I'll go Manchester City. Manchester City is the correct answer. Baz? Oh, Spurs. Uh, Spurs is a correct answer. Tom? Uh, I'll go Everton. Everton is a correct answer. Aiden? Um, Go Manchester United? Manchester United is an incorrect uh, answer. They have 14 English players in their squad. Uh, so that's you out. Elliot? Yeah. I'm going to go West Ham. West Ham is a correct answer. Mark? Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark, but Liverpool is a correct answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> <Baz>. <laughs> Leicester Leicester, yeah the Foxes do not have that many English players oh. in their squad Tom Go to Newcastle That's you out Tom I'm afraid, they do You know you said Watford before you really need to see Watford's goal against West Brom tonight by the way anyone that's listening to this afterwards yeah. Ishmael Asar has picked the ball up inside his own half and driven it over the keeper's head from about 65 yards. He's surely not there by the end of the transfer window. He has to be away from there. An, an absolutely incredible strike. Sorry, carry on. Maybe is one we should be after if we can sell anyone. Elliot. Steve, Steve how many's left? Uh, how many's left? Let me have a look. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. Elliot. Well, Baz has pinned Leicester, so I'm going to return the favour and say Villa don't have the required amount. <gasps> they just do, actually. So oh, yeah. no way! <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, down to you and Baz. Forest. Forest, you're out. So, uh, that leaves Barry the winner. Can you give us another one, Barry? Leeds. Yes. Leeds is the correct answer. So oh, you deserve that victory by following Do you want, do you want some more? Do you want some more? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, go on. See if you can get some more, yeah. Uh, Huddersfield. Um, no, they've actually got 17 English Oh, players. I thought that was a good one. I thought that was my sneaky answer. Go on then. Give us a real quick rundown of them. The ones that you've missed, uh, Brentford only have seven English players in there. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. Crystal Palace have 11. Of course. Uh, Southampton only have 11. 
Uh, Wolves were the lowest with five, by the way. And if we go into the championship, Burnley with 11. Norwich with 12. And one that surprised me, Preston only had eight English players in their squad. Swansea, 11. And Wigan, 11. How many did we have, Steve, out of interest? Nine. Very good. Well, well done, Barry, on your first win of the season. You're welcome. First win for Aston Villa anyway. <laughs> 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 a lot of best if we had thrown away a two-goal lead, is not it? Uh, yeah. Just briefly, you know, we're coming towards the end of the show. Just had an email through saying uh, we're still charting in Nigeria for the podcast. So we're still in the top 100 podcasts in Nigeria. Thanks, Wolf. So all, that, all that money I sent to that Nigerian prince has, has worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought he was supposed to be sending it to you. Oh, he should cheer, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, my dad. <laughs> Just really quickly, for a couple of minutes before we finish off, we've got Arsenal next Saturday. Steve, how are you feeling about, about that game? Do you think we can go there and get something? We, we rarely do. I think Arsenal uh, are probably going to put in some performances this year. So I think it's going to be difficult. But I'm not, you know, people say, oh, we're going to get rushed after Brentford. I'm not so down about that. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think we'll probably lose. But I think we'll give a good good account of ourselves. I think it might be 2-1 to Arsenal or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal, they put in a decent performance on their Friday night football, didn't they? They've got some decent signings. It could be... Uh, Elliot, that Yuri Tillemans potentially might line up against us on, on Saturday if they if they pull the finger out and put a bid in. That would be strange, wouldn't it? Well, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen just yet. I think they're going to mess us around all month before they decide to uh, to put a bid in. Um, I agree with 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 what you said there and what Steve said. I think Arsenal, you know, to be fair and annoyingly, both North London clubs look in fairly good shape as you go into the season. They both seem to have recruited well and both seem to have. Um, Starting to develop some get some good patterns of play, so I think I think this weekend is going to be a tough um, tough game for us. I think the afternoon is really going to be depend on which list which Leicester City side turn up. If it's the one from the first sixty minutes from yesterday, you'd back you'd be confident of giving ourselves a good show in and potentially nicking a point or maybe a little bit more because you know as much as there was a bit of doom and gloom around yesterday, there's still for the first sixty minutes a lot of things to be positive about. We were solid at the back. I thought our patterns of play going forward was really good and some of our passing was fantastic. So if you take that forward into, into to that game, you can cause Arsenal a bit of trouble. And you, like you said, you can, you can, you can be confident that you, you make life difficult for them and try and sneak something. If it's the Leicester from the last half an hour that, that, that turned up yesterday, it's hard to see us getting many results across the season. And again, this, the weekend coming up is a bit, leaves yesterday a bit more frustrating because it'd be nice to go into a tough away game like that with three points in the back pocket to have that banked because we know that we've got some tough games in the in the first few fixtures. So it does feel a little bit frustrating yesterday because it would be nice just to go into it with a bit of confidence, a bit of the pressure took off us and, and to go into it with a positive mindset. So we'll see how we get on. So let's... Uh, how are we going to get on? What's your, are you going to give us a prediction? Do you do predictions? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think Steve's prediction of a 2-1 isn't isn't too far off. I think we'll... I do think we'll score. I'm... I'm con- I'm fairly confident of how we played yesterday. We can we can create some chances. So I think we'll score. It's just whether we can tighten up against a, a team that's going to test us defensively. So yeah, I think if we if it's one all with ten minutes to go, I can't see us holding out. I think after yesterday's shows that you know we're not a back to the wall team. A bit of pressure that comes on us, we do struggle with that. We need to be 
we do need to be <laughs> we do probably need a bit of a head start at the moment to, to get through it. Okay. Did you give a prediction there? Sorry. Yeah, two one. I'm back in one with one. Steve on that. You're going with Steve. Aidan, you're writing them down here. Would you like to give an update on the prediction league so far? Uh, let me just check. Uh, prediction <laughs> far, no one, no one's got any points apart from Aidan McCormick, who's sitting with three points. And um, yeah. so Steve Marble says two one Arsenal. Elliot says two one Arsenal. Uh, I'm gonna stick my neck out and say that we can come back with a point. I'm gonna go for a one-one draw. I did I watch Arsenal on Friday night and they looked good. Um, the, this guy that they've got, he's come back from Marseille on loan after like a lot of years. Saliba, Saliba. Um, was looking very strong, so they look a bit more. They've got a bit more metal. But then is it Ben Ben White? Um, yeah. Didn't have a great game, so I think we can get at them. I think we can go down and take a point. One one. I, I'm going to go one one as well. I'm going to go with uh, a battle of the opposite of mentality monsters, and because whoever whoever concedes first in that may well crumble. Uh, yeah. Or in our in our case, if we score first, we, we may well crumble. So I'll go with a one one draw. But I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think Arsenal are a, a different animal this year. I think now they've yeah. got Jizu and uh, Zinchenko and. They've sort of balanced their centre backs a little bit more as well with Saliba coming in. I think they're a bit of a bit, bit of a different animal, so I think we'll give them a good game. And I'm going to go for a hopeful point. Barry, you were shaking your head when uh, we were talking positively about getting. To no, I, it, it wasn't that positive. Uh, the I think our staff think we still do them. I think um, there's too much hype about these two in the back for what the. The, uh, Sal- what's his name? Sal- Lieber. Lieber. Yeah, and um, uh, Ben White. Ben White, yeah. No, from, from what I saw in the game, uh, Palace had the chances, uh, ran them ragged. I think you start with the same team, maybe drop a Marty, start with the same team and take them on Vardy. I think Leicester are the Achilles heel of Arsenal. I, I, I think I'm going to go 3 1 Leicester. I think you're going to get, yeah. I think you're going to get a couple early. I've been watching, like, um, watching sort of Arsenal Twitter and that, and they were not happy with that performance. I think, um, I think they were they're fucking banner FC, aren't they? They're idiots. I think they they're so quick to jump on. This is actually hypocritical, Mason. So quick to jump on, jump on a negative about their club. That um, it, it was it was poor, and they were poor. Any other team. Other than Palace, they just Palace just don't have that grit that you need against Arsenal. You need to have a bit of bite, and unless they've got that in abundance, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think I think Leicester will do them over, and it will be the start of the that fucking idiotic TV channel going amazing uh, mental again. I can't wait for it. I'm here for, I'm here for <laughs> it. I'm here for it. Let's hope it's not us that goes into meltdown. Tom, finally to you. Well, yeah, well, I think Barry's just converted me because I've been slightly concerned about uh, the next game coming up, but, um, you know, they have got a bit of a t- tasty squad this season and I think they have got massive potential to be up there. But, um, yeah, you've spun me around there, Barry. I'm going to go with uh, 2-1 to Leicester. Yes, Tom. <laughs> so... Some points going elsewhere again for the old prediction league. <laughs> I guess we'll be winning it this season. Uh, guys, that's about all we've got time for again tonight. An hour has absolutely flown by again. Elliot, thanks so much for joining us. What's coming up for you now with the, with the podcast and uh, with the blog? Well, I, I go away on holiday for a couple of weeks now. So uh, I... Yes. Oh, oh, 
St. Kitts and Nevis. So um, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. So I won't really be thinking about much more than where's the uh, the next rum and coke coming from, to be fair, for the next couple <laughs> of weeks. But um, I'm trying hard for, for sports teams not to, uh, any of my sports teams to, to upset me. But for me, I mean, once we get back, it'd be obviously rugby season starts back up. So uh, into pre-season with, uh, with Tigers, with, with the friendlies, so picking that and the podcast back up. And um, hopefully League Cup will be, will be uh, around the corner as well for our uh, entry in. So hopefully we can... Uh, we can start cracking on with a bit of a cup cup uh, run to uh, we've been too long without a league cup so I think we need to uh, to concentrate on that a little bit this season but um, yeah when we get back hopefully we can get into some um, into the fixtures again you guys are greedy you guys are greedy <laughs> hard not to be <laughs> optimistic uh, thanks so much for joining us anyway so it's been a pleasure to have you on with us hopefully you'll come and join us again at some point this season And no, well, thank you very much for having me I hope you um I hope I can be invited back. Yeah, you've you've been great, guys. It's been it's been great again. We'll join. Well, we'll all join together for another episode next week. But that is all we've got time for for this week's episode of It's Eleven at Seven for Jamie Vardy. We'll speak to you again next time. Network.